I would like to invite Andrew and Heather Somerville up this morning. My name's Yvonne. Thank you, Ali. We're going to talk a little bit more about grief with these guys. But uh, as they come on up, I just wanted to say that this might be a tricky topic for people and this is a safe space and it is okay. Uh, if you need to cry, then that is okay. If you need to get the tissues out, then that is totally okay. Uh, even if you need to go out and catch your breath, that is okay. So I have got these guys and Troy's telling me to move somewhere. I'm moving this way, am I? Radio. <laughs> Very good. Good morning, Andrew and Heather. Now, Andrew, have I got this right? You manage pastoral care, the whole department of pastoral care at the Epworth Hospital, but before that you were a pastor at Armadale Baptist. That's right. Have yes. I got that right? Yeah, very good. Well Excellent. Done. You've and done Heather, the research really well. I have. I've, I've looked it up. And, uh, and Heather, you're the manager of pastoral care and spiritual care at St Vincent's Hospital, and before that you spent 15 years at the Peter Mac doing the same thing, and before yeah. that you worked with Andrew uh, as associate pastor at Armadale. Correct. Got it. <laughs> Got it sorted. Excellent. So tell me, in the current roles that you guys are doing now, I might start with you, Andrew, what, sure. does, what is a day in the life of with your pastoral care hat on? What does it look like for you guys? Um, well, I think there, there are three main roles that I do at Epworth Hospital. One is senior chaplain. Uh, another one is uh, manage the pastoral care team. And that keeps me reasonably full on. So uh, anything can happen from supporting the team. The team go out into the hospital and work with people on all sorts of areas, whether it's uh, grief or loss, whether it's uh, working with all sorts of issues that people uh, bring to the hospital. Um, and then uh, I work with those people when they come back to the office and help them debrief about what's gone on for them. But I've also got a third role, and that's educating people around pastoral care. So people who want to become pastoral carers and want to actually uh, work in a hospital or work in a place where there's pastoral care or chaplaincy or spiritual care, you have to do a thing called clinical pastoral education. And I'm an educator of uh, clinical pastoral education. And so currently we have six people who are training to become pastoral carers within Epworth currently. So... Um, and that works out to be one day a week for a semester. So pretty well, for most of the semesters, one day a week of education, educating people around pastoral care and how to, how to, how to understand what's happening in them as they care for people, uh, but also to look at the quality of the care that they do. So there's a lot going on. It sounds like a really full job, and you probably work 11 days a week by the sounds of things. Just about, yes. Maybe. Heather, is it the same for you? Do you do a similar sort of role? Yeah, it is very similar. Uh, I've only been at St Vincent since February this year, um, so I have quite a large team of pastoral care practitioners over five different sites, including um, acute hospital settings and palliative care and aged care. <clears throat> so a lot of my day is encouraging, educating, supporting my staff as they are out encouraging, supporting the patients. Yeah, absolutely. What, what was it that led you into this field? Like, did you just wake up one morning and go, I, I know, I, I just want to work in the area of grief and care? And um, For me, it was a bit of a, a journey, as, as it often is. 
I remember someone asking me one time when I was working alongside Andrew as an associate pastor, and they said, what's this like? And I said, I know it's for a season, not forever. And he said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to work in palliative care. And then I went, oh, where did that come from? You know, it was one of those... So you really did wake up one morning and <laughs> say did. it. I did. And then I had a real sense of call from God to do clinical pastoral education, the, tr the program Andrew was talking about. Um, that was a, a definitely a God prompt. And I went to Peter McCallum Cancer Centre to do training there. And I felt a sense of coming home to who I was created to be and a real sense of what it was to be present to people in much pain. And it's a really important field, so, yeah. Um, how would you define grief? Like, we're talking about grief this morning. Can you kind of maybe unpack that a little bit for us and define it a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, to define grief, it's actually the emotional response to loss. And I think one of the um, fallacies that most people live with is that grief is only about the significant loss of, the, of a, the death of a loved one. And yet, if you take the definition as grief is an res emotional response to loss, we all experience loss in so many different ways right through our lives. One thing that I think COVID taught us was that change happens Whenever change happens, loss happens. Whenever loss happens, there's grief. And so there's this amazing um, thing that happens through our lives where those little moments of grief are glossed over. So, for example, I'll just give a couple of examples. When a, a child in primary school is moving from one grade at the end of the year into the next grade... There's a lot of talk about how exciting it is for them to be moving up. And there's all this talk and, and orientation into the, what's coming next. For many children, they're actually grieving the loss of what they already know, but there's no opportunity to do that. And, and so grief happens all through our lives in obviously... Uh, in larger and more impactful ways when it is the death of someone significant to us. But it happens in many ways right through our lives. And the other thing I, would, I feel like I need to say about grief is that it's actually unique for every single person and that there's no right or wrong way of grieving. And if one person in a family dies... Each person in that family will grieve differently because their relationship to that person is different and unique. And that grief is actually an extension or a reflection of the connection that has been lost. So connection is really important to consider. How connected am I? Was I? Have I been? And now what the impact of that loss. Mm, absolutely. I, I, I found that really the, the, the grade shift and the loss in there. And God, it, it, made me, it made me think of all the different places in which grief emerges and we don't pay attention to it. So, yeah, absolutely. Andrew, I'll just go to you. Do we do grief well? Do, do we actually do it well, you know, as people generally? Um, I, I think we've got a, a way to go still. I think, and how we respond to grief and how we respond to loss. 
and how we respond to change. I think um, um, after working in uh, a, a Baptist ministry for 19 years, I moved to mental health. And uh, one of the things I noticed, uh, we had an addiction ward, and I'm glad you covered addiction earlier this year, but um, one of the things that was very evident in the mental health uh, facility was the amount of grief and loss people were going through. Uh, people with addiction would go through significant loss, especially if, um, uh, if it was an ongoing addiction. They would lose their license because they were being pulled up. They would lose... Uh, their job because they couldn't get to work anymore. They would lose their partner because they were too drunk. or the, And then they would um, lose their house because they couldn't pay for their accommodation. And so it would be loss upon loss upon loss upon loss working within uh, mental health. But yeah, I think, I think there are times where we can do grief a little bit better. Um, I think there are times we can think about how to support people who go through grief and 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 to be open to be uh, willing to talk to people who are grieving often I, I hear people say oh I'm not sure what to say uh, uncle Bertie's just had um, his wife die and I'm not sure what to say so I'm not going to go and visit him because I don't know what I can do um, the, the point is that we don't need to say a lot we just need to turn up and be there and be present. And that's okay. Just to hear the stories, to hear how uh, people are going through grief. And I think that is a significant thing that we can do. The other thing I just want to mention too, if I can, is that for males, I think, uh, uh, particularly being a male, you know, as blokes, we've got a way to go in terms of how we understand and how we work with our grief too. Uh, I remember back in the, uh, well, it's back in the 90s when um, I was watching football and sometimes blokes would cry because they lost a game or um, it was the last game and so they would cry. And the commentators would just lay into them something terrible. They would call them crybabies and all sorts of things. So it was just really, really unhelpful. And I think for us blokes, I think... For us to understand, it's okay to show grief. You know, grief and loss is a God-given gift that we have. Our emotions are a God-given gift. And it's okay to show those. It's okay to work with them. It's okay to, to, to show that in public. And um, so there's something about being willing and being courageous enough to be who we are and to exhibit our grief as well. Mm. Yep. So... Thinking about it, you know, giving us permission and recognizing that sometimes we don't do it well. How does how does grief actually work? What does it do in our bodies? What what does it look like? How does it express? Yeah. So grief has a number of impacts. Firstly, it has a physical impact on us. So it might be that we lose our appetite, or we have pain, or uh, we're just exhausted. So it has a physical impact. It also has a physiological impact, um, so that's around the emotions, a whole range of emotions. When we watched the video, you heard the emotions of anger, bargaining, um, pain, sadness, depression. It's a whole realm. It's not just one emotion. It's a whole gamut of emotions. Um, grief actually impacts our ability to think clearly. It has a cognitive impact. 
And I saw that a lot when I was working at Peter McCallum with cancer patients. And a doctor, I'd be with a patient and a doctor would come in to give information and then the doctor would leave and I'd say to the patient, what did you hear the doctor say? And they might have heard the first sentence and that was it. They hadn't heard anything else. It actually can shut the brain down from thinking clearly. Um, in terms of faith, grief can have a huge impact. For most of us, we have a framework of beliefs, a framework of values that we live our lives by. And then sometimes an experience such as a significant grief doesn't seem to fit into that framework of beliefs that we have. And when I began working at Peter McCallum, I, I guess I had a view of the omni-god, you know, omnipotent or powerful or present or knowing, I call him the omni-god. And then I, I was present to all of this pain and suffering and I thought, if God was all-powerful, why on earth does this happen? And so it, my experiences were not quite fitting into my framework of theology and understanding who God is. And I needed to do quite a bit of reflection and thinking. And I actually need to change some of how I thought of who God was and how God functioned in this world. Because our experience is one of the things that actually can inform our, th our understanding of God. We often separate it, but our experience actually informs who God is for us on a daily basis. Um, one other thing that, that grief can impact, and that is around our culture or our society or our connections. And that can happen, like Andrew mentioned, that some people don't know how to respond to grief or they might respond awkwardly, or they might say something that actually is quite offensive to the person that is grieving. And so it's actually easier to stay away from that community than to come into the community and be surrounded by love. I feel like it, you're starting to touch on some of the ways that we do grief badly. Uh, what, what, you know, what's the, um, what does unhealthy grief look like? I think sometimes unhealthy grief is when we try to ignore it, when we try, because it can be painful, we try to push it down, we try to um, distract ourselves from it. Um, I, th I think, again, coming back to Oz Blocks, uh, I think it was Richard Rohr who said, most of men's anger, and there's a lot of male anger around, and most of men's anger comes from a sense of deep sadness and grief that hasn't been resolved. And I think sometimes when we push it down and when we um, try to ignore it and when we try to uh, distract ourselves from it and not, for, not follow what it's asking us to do, it can be kind of dangerous for us and dangerous for those around us. Yeah, I think it's the the importance of paying attention to what's happening. And that's a vulnerable space. Um, the reality is that all of us want, want to be connected. We're, we're created by God to be in connection with others. And being real and letting people know how we're truly feeling 
can sometimes put us in a space of feeling very vulnerable. Will I be accepted if I am real? And so that can push us into a place of not being real. And that's the danger. One of the things with grief is that it can actually become cumulative. And that means that if I have a grief, a loss, and I don't really pay attention and acknowledge the grief involved in that, and then I have another loss, and then I have another loss, sometimes our grief response can seem to be out of proportion to the loss that we're having because the other griefs have not been attended to. I just saw a lot of heads nod, just really. It, it, we, it, we so relate to that. If we haven't dealt with it, it's actually cumulative. I, I saw a picture a little while ago, and I think I've got a picture of it here, um, where grief goes, like, here's the stages of grief, but this is what my grief looked like, you know? And it's crazy. So what? how do we know if we're... If we're doing grief well, what does it look like when we're doing it well? The first thing is that we're acknowledging that we're having it, that we're in the midst of it, that we're trying to name the emotions or the emotional responses that we are having in, in that space of grief, that we're giving ourselves permission to do whatever it is I need to do, not what other people think I need to do, or what other people might expect me to do. So there's something about giving myself permission. The the process of grief is hard work. In, in a lot of the writing, it talks about grief work. And grief and doing it well can be hard work. But the outcome, there's a reason for doing it and getting through to the end. And one is not that grief no longer exists because we have to learn to live with the grief. Grief is not something we get over. Grief is part of our lives, and it's how we incorporate it and live our lives with that grief as part of it. And when it's been the loss of a significant person, you haven't lost the relationship that was. The loss is about the person not physically being present anymore. And so it's not about forgetting someone. It's holding the memory and honouring the relationship and considering how that relationship continues to inform and influence who you are and how you live your life now. And then it's about beginning to form new relationships new connections whilst carrying the loss of the relationship that is not there. Mm. Andrew, any other thoughts on grieving well and what does it look like? Have you, have you seen people do that well? Um, y- yes. Um, and there's something about just being uh, accepting people as they go through the grieving process. Um, people who who can go through the grieving process, but have, have somebody to sit with them as they go through. Uh, there's something nice, something nice, something profound when we sit with a person who is going through grief, because uh, as we sit with them and as we hear the pain and as we hear the stories and as we hear the loss, they recognize if that person can sit with the pain with me, then I can sit with it too. 
And so um, I think it just gives people the ability to think, I, I can sit with this and it's okay. C and can it's you helping. say that again? If, 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 I think if people who are going through grief know that somebody is sitting with them and hearing the pain and know how hard it is, and if they understand that that person is listening to them well, then if they know that that person can sit through the pain with them, then it allows them to sit in the pain as well. Then, then I will be able to. Yeah, I'll be yeah. able to, yes. That's really good. Yeah. Um, Heather, do you want to give us some, some tips on how to support somebody who's grieving? Just, you know, simple, simple, easy, easy, easy answer. Uh, sure. Um, listen. <laughs> Actively listen is the first one. And, and that means trying to listen not just to what they're saying on a surface level, but trying to listen to the emotions that are there. And by doing so, you do create those connections, which is so important. Um, so uh, reflecting back what it is you're hearing. I think what can happen, and I, I think I want to move to the what to avoid <laughs> as well. Um, avoid as much as possible the assumptions of what the person will be going through or should be going through. Get rid of the shoulds. Don't shoot on yourself and don't shoot on others when it, when it relates to grief, okay? It doesn't, it's not helpful. Did someone write that down? <laughs> <laughs> um, avoid, avoid the feeling that you have to fix them and avoid the feeling that you have to have the answers because guess what? There aren't easy answers when people are suffering and in pain and really, really sad. So avoid the temptation to try to cheer them up. Because when you're going through grief, you have to be sad. You have to experience what it is to be in those deep emotions. So listen and let the person be who they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to that earlier thing, there's no one way of doing this. That person's way of grieving is that person's way of grieving. Really, really helpful. Andrew, we've been thinking, um, sorry to say this to everybody, but Christmas is approaching. Nobody wants to hear it, but Christmas is approaching. And Christmas is a really hard time. Christmas is a time that pushes grief buttons for people. I'm wondering, what's, what's some advice? It's about five and a half weeks, isn't oh, it? Oh, stop it. You just made that even worse. How's your Christmas shopping it's going? way Yvonne? further have you, have you away. I have not up? even thought about it. <laughs> What, because it, it's a really tricky time. It's a button-pushing kind of time for people's grief. What, mm. what are some tips that we can think about as we lead into this season? I, 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 first of all, I really like Christmas. Christmas is a great time of year. There's something special that happens at Christmas. There's a, an excitement in the air. There's, there's something that's nice that happens about it. I, we used to live in a street that uh, used to put lights up all over you know, all over the houses and fences and all down the streets, and, and we would do the same, and and there would be crowds of people who would come and walk up and down our street and, and enjoy the lights. There's something really celebratory and nice, and it's good to remember the birth of Jesus. Uh, all, all that stuff is very important. But it's also good to remember, for some people, Christmas time is a difficult time as well. Some people have gone through a loss at Christmas time. Lost a loved one, or, or something's happened. And then at Christmas time brings the memory back, brings the grief back. And for some people, Christmas can be a really difficult time. 
And can I say at Christmas time, it's good to celebrate it, great to celebrate it, but it's also good to acknowledge for some people it's not a, a super happy time. And it's okay to talk to them about that. It's okay to say, tell me what Christmas is like for you. Um, and to be able to hear how difficult it is for some people. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to talk to them because it'll make them sad. You know, the, the truth is, you know, they're already sad deep down. It's true. And so to actually acknowledge that and to hear their sadness is really important, especially at Christmas time. So to acknowledge that at Christmas time there can be a people with a whole range of emotions and feelings and, uh, and to try to accommodate that. I'm not sure how you do that at church, but, but to accommodate the joys and the sorrows, the happiness and the sadness, the celebrations and the losses, uh, and to hold that, yeah. I was just going to say, in relation to that, that we're not dualistic beings. It's not that we, we can only feel one emotion at one time. And I saw that so often when I was with patients at end of life and the family would be crying and then someone would tell a story and we'd all be laughing and then we'd go, oh, no, and then back into grief again and sadness. And So we have this uh, ability to move in and out of an emotional response. We're not either all, we're yeah. all and. Really good. Really good. So both of you work, um, you know, in the, the hospital settings that you work in, but you're both people of faith. You, you bring a, a level of hope in, in life and understanding of who God is and what he's doing. What, as you work with people for whom that isn't the case, for people who don't have that sense of faith and hope or an understanding of God, what, what have you learned about how to, how to carry that? What, what surprised you? What, what have you learned along the way? I think the thing that motivates and continues to inform the care that I offer is that deeply within me I know that I'm a loved child of God and that that, that experience of being loved by God is an, an inclusive love. That means that I believe that God loves everyone equally. And so when I go and spend time with patients and families... In some way, I want to communicate to them their value and their worth. Now, I might not tell them that it's God, but through my presence, I hope that in some way I let them know that they are of value of, of, and worth. And I guess one of the things that I learned as a, a person of faith at Peter, working at Peter Mac was the incredible sense of God beyond the walls of a church... A God who goes before me and is already there with the patient before I even walk into a room. And the God who will be there with me while I'm with the patient. And a God who will be there when I leave the room. So I had way too many stories of evidence of that. Of those moments of deciding to take the stairs and just happened to run into someone who said, oh, Heather, I was waiting to see you, rather than jumping in the lift. And I'm thinking, why did I take the stairs today? So there's something for me. My prayer each day is, God, help, to, help me to keep you company. Often we do the prayer in the opposite. God, keep me company today. But I say, God, help me to keep you company. 
because God is already working beyond what I can even think or hope to do. Brilliant. We, we want to, you know, be that kind of church who, who, who carries with us that kind of mentality everywhere that we go. What, what, tell us, what do we need to do to be that kind of church, to be a church that does grief well, that understands grief and, um, you know, and, and cares for people around us? I think it's really important to be, uh, as a church, to be real, to acknowledge that in life, you know, was it M. Scott Peck said, life is difficult, you know, we have grief, we have loss, we have joys, we have sorrow, but to be real about it, you know, life is, can be a real pain in the bum, if we want to put it nicely, and to acknowledge that, just because we're a church doesn't mean to say life is going to go sparkingly well from here on in. It's not. We're going to be faced with some serious stuff. And for us to attend to that realistically and to uh, acknowledge it and to be true to it, I think can be, uh, go a long way to help us be a, a, a good church. Yeah. yeah. So we've been picking up this theme of quietly loud, where we want to be loud about um, our, our faith in God and about what he's doing but we want to do it in a really quiet and gentle way and I feel like I've heard you guys talk time and time again this morning of how you guys are being quietly loud uh, and ways in which we can you know move into that space spaces of grief in a really quietly loud way because we do have a hope in God um, I, I heard someone say a little while ago, you know, what, what, what we don't want to do is just be all stoic about it and whitewash about it. We actually want to be in those emotions with people. We want to be real about them and we want to be in there with God. So uh, as the band comes up, why don't you give those guys um, a, a thank you and really good. Heather and Andrew are going to be available. Um, up the front later on if you want to chat about something if you are sitting there going you know what I I think I want to do what they do then great come and talk to them or if you've got some questions around helping somebody through their time of grief then come on up Nick I'm wondering if you can put the psalm up for me psalm 40 says I waited patiently for the Lord he turned to me and heard my cry He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. I wonder if this morning you have that grief in you, and you've been waiting for it to get smaller, but it doesn't get smaller, and you need to... Work out how to get bigger around it. I wonder if you've got someone in your life for whom grief is just huge. You know, if if you haven't experienced grief yet, that's okay. It will come because there will be losses, big ones and little ones. And what people do when they are that broken is that they sing They sing right through the Psalms. All these Psalms we can see. It is a mess and I am broken, God. I will turn to you. I will lift my face. I will lift my eyes. I will turn my heart 
to you. I wonder if today you might want to pick up your grief or the grief that you're helping somebody else carry and bring it to God and say, God, I know who you are. I know that you are big. I know that you are capable. I know that you can hold my grief. We're going to sing. Why don't you stand? Stand with us now and cry out to God.